Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of Zechariah with guest speaker Tom West and his message on Zechariah 3. Well, this morning we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 3. And that's just a few pages back from the New Testament. So if you want to find it, it is on page 746 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Zechariah chapter 3. Well, so far we have seen three visions that Zechariah is shown in the first two chapters. We've also been introduced to three men. So three visions and three men. And those three men's names are Zechariah, Berechiah, and Edo. And if you remember, if you read those three names, they all have meanings. It's the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at just the right time. And today we're going to be introduced to a fourth person, and his name is Joshua. And Joshua means the Lord is salvation, or as the title of my message, Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. So if you read those four names together, it would be something like this. The Lord remembers, the Lord blesses, at just the right time, through a man. And his name is Jesus. Which is the exact same name in Greek, as Joshua is in Hebrew. So they mean the same thing. It means the Lord is salvation. So this morning we're going to talk about salvation. And I would like us to see this morning in this passage four things. And those four things are the need of salvation, the means of salvation, the method of salvation, and the result of salvation. And we'll come back to those if you want to write those things down. But right now I would like to start by reading one verse. If you would like to stand with me as I read the last verse in chapter 3 of Zechariah. It says this, In that day declares the Lord of hosts, Every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Sounds kind of like what we did the other night. We don't have a fig tree, but we have a maple tree. Um, this This is one of the results of salvation. Community, joy, peace. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would be here in our midst. You would open up our hearts. You would open up your word to us so we can um, know what it says and apply it in any area of our lives that we need to. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. This is the need for salvation. The New Testament tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, God has a standard, and it's up here. And you and I are not there. Everyone needs salvation. Chapter 3, verse 1, the need for salvation. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Okay, I'm going to try to give you my version of this vision. Remember, it's a vision. It's not actually taking place. It's a vision. So things can happen in a vision that might not happen in reality. So we see that Joshua, the high priest, is standing in front of the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ. We see later that he has filthy clothes on. But I can't imagine the, angel, the high priest standing where I think is in the temple doing sacrifices, doing ministry. He's standing before the angel of the Lord, and that would indicate that he is doing his job. I can't imagine that he had dirty clothes on. I think he had his turban on, and he had his high priestly robes on, and he was dressed perfectly. Not like me, but perfectly. He was standing before the angel of the Lord ministering. But Satan comes in, and I think he addresses Jesus, the angel of the Lord, and says, I can't believe that you have chosen this man to be your high priest. How could you? He is guilty of A, B, C, and D, and several other things that I won't go into right now. He's guilty. The high priest, the one at the top of the food chain, spiritually, is guilty. But the good thing about this is Joshua has an advocate. He has someone on his team who is stronger than Satan. And he says this in verse 2. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In other words, Jesus is saying that this group of people, including Joshua, have been in the land of Babylon for 70 years. And they have been in captivity. They've been in bondage. They've been punished for their sins. But he says, I have plucked them 
out of the fire, out of Babylon. 70 years they were there, but I plucked them out of bondage. I rescued them. I saved them. And I think Satan is dismissed at this point. We have no more need for you, Satan. Be gone. And then this picture comes up. It says, and now Joshua was standing in dirty clothes. Well, how did he go from clean clothes to dirty clothes? Again, this is my version. I think this word filthy means, actually, it means human excrement. In other words, it couldn't get any worse. And I believe that the garbage that Joshua had inside of him, the sin that was prevalent in his life, like all of us have, was coming out through his clothing. It was staining him. It was showing that the sins that he had been hiding for maybe years that he didn't want anyone to know was now being revealed through the accusations of Satan. And notice that he was absolutely quiet. Joshua doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, yeah, but it wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's fault. He knew he was guilty. He was standing before the angel of the Lord had been accused, and he was guilty, like us. Now, I want to ask you a question. If Satan was standing beside you right now, what would he be accusing you of? I know what he's accusing me of. There's tons of it. And I'm guilty. Have you ever been caught red-handed in your sin, like Joshua was? Caught red-handed? I remember a time when I was in seventh grade. I decided that it would be good to learn how to play pool, and there was a pool hall right near our home. So I asked my father, can I go, <coughs> excuse me, can I go and play pool at the pool hall? And he said no. And I don't remember if he gave me reasons. He probably did. But my younger brother and I, he was in fifth grade, we decided that we should learn how to play pool at the local pool hall, and it would be fun. So we decided that if we snuck out and no one knew, it would probably be OK. So we did that. We snuck out of our upstairs bedroom one night, climbed down the tree that was perfectly located, and we went down to the local pool hall and we played pool. We probably looked silly because the rest of the people in there probably weren't seventh graders and fifth graders. <laughs> And that may have been one of the reasons he didn't want us to go. But we did. And we snuck home, went upstairs, climbed in the bedroom window. All was well. We went to sleep soundly, no problem. But someone saw us. And the next morning called our parents and said, did you know your, your kids were down there playing pool at the pool hall? <laughs> uh, no, we didn't, but thank you for telling us. <laughs> So my parents decided that they shouldn't say anything and see if we did it again and catch us. So sure enough, we thought all was well, so we decided the next night would be a good idea to sneak out 
go to the pool hall, play pool, and just have fun. So we did that, came home, snuck back into our bedroom window, and there was my father sitting on the bed. <laughs> we knew that he knew exactly what we did. We had nothing to say, and we felt the weight of our sin because we were caught red-handed. We, we had no excuse. Our problem was we didn't have an advocate. <laughs> so we had to pay the consequences of our disobedience. Yeah. So that is the need of salvation. I need salvation. You need salvation. Even Joshua the high priest needed salvation. So we get to verse 4. And we see the means of salvation. And I said to the angel, excuse me, this is verse, that was verse chapter 4. <clears throat> okay. I'm reading out of a different Bible, it's not my own. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the, guilt, the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, he's talking now to Joshua, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, now this is Jeremiah speaking, he's speaking into his own vision, kind of strange. But he says, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The angel of the Lord was standing by. I think that means he approved of what was going on. What was going on? So we removed these filthy garments that now were stained with all kinds of sin. And he has clean clothes on. The angels were the ones, I think, that were dressing him, and they put clean clothes on him. And Jeremiah said, I mean, Zechariah, excuse me, said, why don't you put a clean turban on his head? According to Exodus chapter 28, it says that on the front of the turban were the words, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord. The means of salvation is Jesus. Notice he said, I have taken your sins away. And now you're clean. So in the salvation story, it's amazing to me that God put this in Zechariah chapter 3, in kind of an obscure place. It's one of the clearest messages of salvation in the whole Bible. A dirty guy, an undeserving guy, sort of like you and me, he's made holy. He's made righteous. His sins are forgiven. And now he's clean and pure. And he has holy to the Lord written on his turban. I, I just, I mean, from dirty to holy in one minute. It's totally amazing. And then we have this little interlude here. In verse 6 and 7, the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Those who are standing there are angels. It's going to have access to heavenly things, to spiritual things. He says, if, then. Now, last week, Pastor Steve gave us, one of the words that he gave us was purpose. If you remember that, last week, purpose. This is Joshua's purpose. He was to walk in his ways and follow his decrees and be obedient. And then the Lord would bless him with these things. That was his lane. Remember, he talked about a lane last week. We have a service lane. This is Joshua's lane. What is your lane? We all have been given a service lane by God. What is yours, and are you walking in it? Then we come to verse 8, and we see the method of salvation. This is one of the most amazing little pieces in Scripture that I passed over so many times in my life. This is such a clear picture, verse 8 and verse 9. It says, Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, that would be other priests, I believe, for they are men who are a sign. And then he says, Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. I want to read to you verse 12 in chapter 6. It gives us a little uh, indication of who this branch is. Verse 12, and say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, or sprout, or living thing. And Jesus said, I'm the vine in the New Testament. For he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. In other words, this branch, who is called the servant, and the branch, and then a stone, <clears throat> he is the one who's going to build the temple of the Lord. Now remember, they're building the temple. Zerubbabel and others are building the temple. But now he says this other man who's coming, he will build the temple. So back to chapter 3, verse 8. He's the servant, the branch, and in verse 9 he's a stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the rock. He's the one that we can run to in any situation. He is our rock. And I want to emphasize several words. They're written on, this, on the screen here. The first one is seven eyes. Seven is the number of completeness. So if we took this as seven eyes, it would, I think, mean that God has all knowledge. He knows everything. There's nothing that he does not know and does not see. The word is ayim. 
Joel has introduced us to a bunch of Hebrew words. I'm going to throw a couple more at you today. This word is ayim, and it could very well mean eyes, or it could mean fountains. Interesting. Two very different meanings, eyes or fountains. And then the next one, it says, I will engrave its inscription. Engrave is a word called pothok. And I'm glad Joel's not here because he probably correct me on the spelling, on the pronunciations. It's pothok, and it means engrave or carve, or it could mean open. So we're kind of seeing a, something here. It could be a fountain that is opened. And then it says, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in one day. Remove is a word that's one of my new favorite words. It's moosh. M-O-O-S-H. Moosh. And it comes from a word that means touch or handle. So the actual meaning is I'm going to remove by contact. By contact. Isn't that amazing? God, who has all power, doesn't from somewhere out in space somewhere just issue a decree and say, These, this group of people is forgiven. No, he says, I'm going to remove your iniquity by contact. I'm going to actually enter your lives. I'm going to come and touch what you touch. I'm going to handle what you handle. I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to get into your world and remove your iniquity by contact. Is that not amazing? What God with all power, would say, you know, I'm going to become a baby and become an actual person and touch your lives. Unheard of. That is the method of salvation. Jesus Christ came to be one of us, died on a cross, and removed our iniquity in one day. I would like to read chapter 13, verse 1. Zechariah 13, verse 1. It says, On that day there shall be a fountain opened. Remember those words? There shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. The fountain of blessing is the Lord and his blood. He was opened. He was engraved. He was carved for our iniquity. And he bore the consequences of our sin. And that's the last... That's the last... Um, Excuse me, I lost my place. That's the last word I would like to emphasize there, iniquity in verse 9. Iniquity is the, is the word avon. 
And it means iniquity or sin or transgression. And it also could mean the consequences of your sin. The consequences of your sin. Who suffered the consequences for your sin? In my case, with my story with my brother, I had to bear the consequences of my sin. And there were lots of other times, I must admit, that I had to bear the consequences of my sin. But Jesus, on the cross, bore the consequences of my sin and your sin. Verse 10. That brings us right to verse 10. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. It was customary on the Day of Atonement in these days when the high priest would go into the temple and he would offer incense and he would sprinkle the blood for cleansing, first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people, the people would wait on the outside of the temple, waiting to see if God actually forgave their sins. So if the high priest came out, they would know that their sins had been forgiven, and then there would be some sort of a shout. I don't know what it was. Hallelujah. Our sins are forgiven. Praise God. We're free. They had been a brand plucked from the fire. Their sins had been forgiven, and now they're free. And then the high priest would lead in a celebration, and all the people would join in the celebration, and they would say, hey, come to my house. Hey, come to my house. Let's continue this celebration because our sins are forgiven. So what's the result? of salvation, it's celebration, it's peace and joy and free access to heavenly things. The New Testament tells us, come boldly into the presence of God, and we can do that if we're children of God and our sins have been forgiven. If you're here today and you've never been a brand plucked from the fire, you are still a burning stick in the fire. You have the opportunity today to be rescued by Jesus Christ. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can be free. If you're here in that situation and you're still a brand, stuck in Babylon, stuck in your sin, stuck in captivity, you can be freed from that this very day. Come and find me. Find someone sitting near you. And they would be happy to explain to you the simple way of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this salvation message, which is so clear. And you have put it in an obscure place, but you've allowed us to see it this morning. We pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that is still a captive in their sin, that you would rescue them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. 
Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.